ladies, I'm, I'm choked up already. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, what's going on? Like, is this like what happens like when you get older or something? I'm like, God, talk to me. Cause the last two times I've been up to either a transition or to share the word, I've just gotten choked up. So I'm sitting there and I'm talking to God. Cause if you know me, that's just not my personality. I'm like, there's no crying in baseball. In life to me, it's baseball. So there's no crying, like we don't cry, but I'm sitting there, I'm like, God, what is happening? And I really think it is the heart of the Father. God has such an immense love for each and every one of you, each and every one of us. You are God's daughters. And he has lavished love upon you. And you are here for such a time as this. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You're a warrior princess who has braved so many things in life. You're courageous. You're standing here today despite the stuff, or sitting, despite the stuff that the enemy has thrown at you. You're here despite of hurts. You're in the house of God despite the disappointments from your past. Some of you have gone through some really tough things, some hardships, and I just sense like healing is in the room. Jen, did we even talk about healing? And she got up here and shared the story about how God healed her. And that's a physical healing, and God is in the business of healing physically. But I honestly believe that there is a deep emotional and mental healing that even as I'm speaking, God is already doing his thing. He was here before we got here because he has a plan and a purpose for each of us. And what the enemy wants is to distract us so that we don't reach that plan. See, he intends for the hard stuff in life to keep us, right? One thing I want us to make sure, and Vic, I'm gonna get, cause I always have her, I hem her up every time I'm like, she's up here with me for about 10 minutes. But God has a plan for our lives and the enemy has a plan for our lives. And the one person that can decide which way our life is gonna go is us. You're right in the middle. It's like that fork in the road, right? Do I go God's way or the enemy's pulling me? And it's not easy. It's not easy because we came into this earth surrounded by the world and the world's way of doing things, surrounded by our selfish desires. If you have kids or if you've been around kids, you know what I mean with selfish desires. It's all about them, me, me, me. So you have the world, you have self, and then you have the enemy. And it's all an attempt to try to distract, but then you have the Father God who's saying, I have a better way and a better life. And he's calling us, every single one of us, to go up higher with him. And so I'm going to try to try to preach tonight. I told Jen, I feel like I might just chat. I don't know how it's going to go. I have notes. Um, but I kind of just want to flow with God tonight because I think he's doing something incredibly special. And I don't want to be in the way of that. And I'm, I'm still trying to kind of feel which way. And, and I know it's very prophetic tonight. I think we're here um, by divine design. And one thing I learned years ago is, is that utterance is affected by the hearer. That means that what comes from a preacher's mouth, a speaker's mouth, it is affected by the person 
it is influenced by the person who's listening. If you make a demand, if you draw on the anointing, not on me, on the Father, he will literally meet you at your point of need. So whatever you came in here with, whatever you're dealing with, make a demand on the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, you'll walk out of here different in Jesus' name. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for these few moments that I have tonight. God, I thank you for what you have already begun in this place, for what you've already begun in our lives, God. And I just say that we're wide open, wide open to what what you're going to do. We come with great expectation, God, all of you and none of me. Think and speak through me, Father. I thank you for every woman that is here tonight. And I know that you are a good God and that you'll meet every single need. Meet it in such a way, Father, that we'll be able to walk out and say, God did this. And I thank you for um, what we'll be able to, to testify about. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, if you will, if you have your Bible, um, go with me to um, Psalm 24 really quickly. I want to read Psalm 24. I want to talk a little bit tonight about rising higher. Rising higher. So Psalm 24, as Jen was mentioning, it was at the, actually the beginning of this year where God put it on my heart to start this magazine. And um, I like writing, but outside of writing, and I don't like it to the point where I wanted to do it like for a living or want like a profession or anything. It's just, you know, kind of fun and therapeutic um, for me. And so it was at a time where our church was doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And... Um, just in that season, I felt that God was saying, I want you to do this thing um, with this magazine. So I bounced it off my husband. And y'all know men. They're like, mm, I don't know. Well, you know, I guess if that's what God is saying, then, you know, go for it. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I think that's what, but you know what? Maybe, maybe it's not God. And I kid you not, with every turn, God would confirm his word. It was to the point I signed up for a, uh, a webinar and that particular night, I was really tired, and I was like, you know what, I'm just not going to go. I've heard the speaker many times, and it's a business coach, and it's like, I've heard them many times. I just, I won't go tonight. And then I thought, no, I RSVP'd, and that's just wrong. You don't RSVP and then not show, right? And it was virtual, so I, what were they going to do, right? But I ended up going, and I have been attending webinars of hers for probably four years at this point, and I th thought I'd heard every story about her life that she could tell. And I thought, okay, the start of the, the webinar, I was like, maybe I'll jump off early. Within two minutes of her starting, she started talking and she said, you know, God led her into this business venture. And she said, hers was photography. And she said, I wanted to get into photography. I didn't know anything about photography. She was actually a lawyer. And she said, I went and picked up um, a $300 camera, something. And then she started asking herself questions. Okay, well, what do I want to do with my photography? And then she said, you know what? I'm going to start a magazine. So on a webinar that I wasn't even going to go to in this season where God felt God say, you should start you know, a publication for women, Christian women. It was very specific. Um, Every turn, he was confirming the word, even with this lady who I thought I'd heard every single story of her life. And she talked about how she started a magazine, and the price point was exact price point that I had on my heart. And I was like, okay, God, I hear you. I'm going to listen to every word that she has to say. And from that point on, it just seemed like God continued to confirm his word. But you know, that's not just for me. That literally is for every single one of us in here that God has a call and a purpose, purposes for our lives. And really, 
All it requires, it sounds simple and it's not always simple, but it really just requires a yes. And the theme of our lives as daughters of God is surrender. That is the theme. Whenever God shows up, whenever he's speaking, whenever you get in the word, our heart is, I surrender to your will and to your plan, God, even if it's different than mine. And it can be risky at times, but I'm going to get into um, a scripture that is our foundation scripture for She Ascends magazine. I thought of She Ascends because it um, talked about growing, elevating in the Lord, but it's also a bit of a namesake for my daughter. She has an amazing story. I won't get into it tonight, but God um, healed her in utero when the doctor said she wouldn't make it. And um, the same doctor who gave the bad news was actually there in the delivery room when she was born and had to retract all of the negative news that they said. And I begged God before she came, please let me get, because there was a team of four, and I liked every doctor but her because she gave the bad news. I don't, I don't like her. Um, and I was like, God, please let me go and labor with any other of the three doctors besides this one. And sure enough, one of the male doctors was on call the night I went into labor. And I'm like, yes. But the contractions were so inconsistent. And I was like, okay, baby girl. We got, like, he, this was probably, I don't know, 7 o'clock the, the night before. I was like, we got 12 hours because he's off of his shift at 7 a.m. the next morning. So come on, contractions. I don't know if you've ever given birth, but I've never begged for pain before in my life. But I'm like, let's go, contractions, because I got to have any other doctor but the one who gave this bad news. So I kept contracting. Irregular. 7 turned to 8. 8 turned to 9. And it went through the rest of the night. 5 a.m. in the morning, I'm like, daughter, in the name of Jesus, you will come forth. We have two hours. And um, anyway, by this time, it was like two or three minutes apart. And I call the hospital, and they're like, okay, come in. I wake my husband up, and we, we drive. We get to the hospital. By this time, it is 6.50 in the morning. My doctor is only on call for 10 minutes. I'm like, I don't know what y'all need to do, but I need to hurry up and birth this baby because this other doctor who gave this bad news, I don't want her in here. 651, 52, 53, 59, 7 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I ended up going into labor and it, you know, had her several hours later. And by this time it was a change of doctors and it was the doctor who gave the bad news that she wasn't going to live. She wasn't going to make it. And up until probably a month or so after she was born, I just couldn't figure out why that would happen. Why, God, why? You know, I wanted a different doctor. And then I realized, see, sometimes God has to let the negative news or the person who gave that negative news or did the negative thing or thought that negative thing see the power of God in manifestation. So it was his plan all along. And so she ascends. Yes, it is a, a clarion call to women to rise higher in our relationship with the Lord. And in order to go higher, we have to go deeper. That means deeper in his word. That means deeper in prayer. That means deeper in community. You know, God created us to be in community. None of us are an island. Sometimes we like to think so. I'm definitely one that I can ride out by myself. But that's not how God intended it to be. Forgive the slang. I have to remember. Okay, it's good. Jen said it's good. But we're created for this, right? 
And we, he's calling us to go higher, but he's also saying in order to, it's, it's like this weird math thing that God does, right? It's like in order to go this way, you got to go that way. And, you know, sometimes even in order to go this way, you got to go that way and expand yourself a little bit more. But everything that the enemy meant for bad, God is turning around for our good. Every little thing. I, I'm telling you, when I say everything, scripture backs me up on that says that he will turn all things together for good for those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. And if you're in here and you love God and you're called according to his purpose, he will work out every good thing that's happened, every bad thing that's happened. He'll work it for your good. So Psalm 24, 3 and 5 is our foundation scripture for um, She Ascends a Magazine. And it reads in the New King James, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So I did a little play on words with this in the magazine. Every place that it said he, I put an S in front of. So it reads, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? She who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up her soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. She shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of her salvation. And this is written at a time where in the Old Testament, you know, the spirit of God dwelt in um, the tabernacle, the art of the covenant, ark of the covenant, he dealt in the tabernacle. He did not dwell in human vessels. Until Jesus came and then his spirit, and he, he bestowed his spirit upon his disciples. And since then, every person who comes to God, when we receive Jesus, it is a supernatural thing that happens where the spirit of God no longer is external, but comes and dwells on the inside of us. We are the tabernacle of God. And oftentimes we say when it comes to our bodies, I've heard it even recently, you know, I got to take care of my temple or my temple is whatever. The reality is, as a believer, it's actually not my temple. It's the temple of God. So I can't do whatever I want to do with this temple because it doesn't belong to me. I have to make sure that it's authorized by the one in whom it belongs to. So our bodies are the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God is saying, okay, we need to rise higher. And I don't know if you can sense it, but we are in, a, in an interesting season. And I've been talking a lot about seasons, and I keep being reminded about seasons. And so if God is talking to me about it and I get a chance to share, I'm going to tell what he's saying to me. We are in a really interesting season just in our society, in life. If you can see kind of what's going on in our world, we can see our war world is devoid of God and the spirit of God. But there are women and men that carry the spirit of God on the inside of them. And we are destined and ordained by God to take the light of Jesus into our various places. And that light's supposed to shine into the darkness. See, there should be a distinction between those of us that name the name of Jesus and the world. And that's the difference. And when there's not, it just means let me back up and figure out why is there no distinction. Sometimes people can tell without even you saying anything. They'll just come and say something about you. And in your mind, you're like, it's the spirit. It's God in me. It's not necessarily me. 
And that's what God is calling us to do. He's wanting us to partner with him, to cooperate with him so that the spirit of God can go into all of these different areas. Jesus said as he was preparing to go home to be with the father, he said, the works that I do, you're going to do, but greater works than these. It's like, how are we going to do greater works than Jesus? Not necessarily greater in terms of power, but greater in number because Jesus was one and there are many of us. So his spirit on the inside wants to go into our workplaces. And I love the video because as these women are servicing their clients, that's the spirit of God ministering to these other people. That's how we turn this dark world. That's how we share the light, share the life of Jesus. It brightens up any environment when a believer, a spirit-filled believer can walk into a situation, but when a woman of God can go into her place of work, go into her home or whatever, and let the light of God shine on the inside of her, not only will people see you, but the Bible says they'll look up, they'll glorify the Father, and they'll give him praise, and they'll believe in him. So there's this tension, and we're in this moment where we have to decide, as I was mentioning earlier about this fork, am I going to remain the same? Am I going to be one who has the spirit of God on the inside, who has the light of Jesus on the inside and not share that light? Am I going to remain the same or am I going to allow God to do with me what he wants to do with me? Am I going to just keep going to work and just not sharing and not, not saying that you got to go in there and be like, Jesus, everybody better you give your life to the Lord. But you can go in there with a completely different disposition than other people. Why? Because you're tapped into your power source, the spirit of God on the inside. And so we're talking about going higher, but in order to do that, you got to go deeper. That means extra time with God in the morning before you jet out the door. Some people say, I got to get my coffee first. I'm like, back up. Jesus before the coffee. Jesus and coffee together is probably a good combination, but definitely Jesus, right? So you can go into your workplaces tanked up with the spirit of God, right? And so here we are, we're faced with the world. I mentioned earlier, so you got the world on one side, you got the way that, you know, um, that we want to do on the other side, and then the enemy on the other side. And we literally are hemmed in on every side. But we're supposed to be, we're supposed to stand out, and let the light of God truly shine. And in order to do that, we got to think and we got to live biblically. But in order to think and live biblically, we actually have to get in the Bible. And y'all like, every time she get up there, she talk about the word, yes. And I probably will continue to talk. Nothing has changed my life. No book on this planet, and I like to read, has changed my life more than the Holy Scriptures. The Bible says that the word of God stands, that it is erect even in heaven. And God says that not one drop, not one tittle of his word will fall. It will not fail. It will not return unto him void. It will accomplish the thing that he sent it out to accomplish. And I don't know who's ever spoken a word to you, but sometimes people speak and their words don't come to pass. Their words don't have power. Scripture says that Jesus says the words that I speak, they are a spirit and they are life. The Bible tells us about the word of God. I didn't even intend to do this, sorry, in the sound. Vic is like, you didn't send me any of these scriptures because I wasn't going to go here, but I'm flowing with the spirit. But the, the word of God, scripture calls it a sword of the spirit. So it can do battle for you while you're in prayer, while you're even reading it. In the spirit realm, the word of God is going through and slicing stuff and getting accomplished what God wants to accomplish. 
It says that the words of God, that they are quick, they are powerful, they are alive, they are so precise that they can slice between soul and spirit. I haven't seen a scalpel that sharp. I've never known of a scalpel that precise, but the word of God can show you the thoughts and the intents of your heart and it will help you discern any situation in your life. But we have to prioritize the word. See, in order to go higher, we have to go deeper in the word. we got to carve out time. And without even trying, really, the word starts to change you on the inside. It's a supernatural work. It happens by simply sitting and dwelling with the Father. And then that word starts to do what Jesus said. It's life on the inside. It starts to create life. Wherever there's death or wherever there's a lack of light, the word of God begins to take over. And the word of God starts, there's a scripture that says, I want to be a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. The word of God will flood you with the words that speak power, the words that speak life, words that speak courage, words that speak speak love, despite anything that the world might be saying. And I talked about, you know, getting through hurts and pains and stuff. The word of God can literally take away any hurt that you are feeling by simply reading the scripture. And we're quick to read a lot of stuff. I, I, and I mentioned I like to read. I did a magazine, definitely liked it. But before that, you, we got to get in scripture. And it's not even enough to have somebody teach you the word or give you the word. That can't be a substitute for you getting in the word for you. You know, God wants to speak to you between you and him, not always through someone else. So it's not, I can only hear from God when I go to church or when Billy preaches or Jen or Bamana or whomever. No, you can hear from God by just opening up your word and just in reading scripture. And next thing you know, you start getting revelation through the words. So we're at this place where we have to decide, are we going to think and live biblically? Because there needs to be a distinction between the women of God and the women of the world. Y'all are a little quiet tonight. Are you just leaning in or is, is this like too heavy? Is it too heavy? Is it heavy? Okay, because, you know, I was talking to Erin. She was like, you know, I'm all about theology. I'm like my kind of girl. You know, we like to get in the word. And so we are being called higher. So let's talk a little bit about calling. If I were to call, is it Lily? If I were to call Lily, would that be Lily's calling on her or would that be my calling on Lily? So when we're talking about being called or calling, that, I, I probably didn't word that right. I don't know what I said, Lily, my bad. Um, and often we'll say, you know, the call on my life. And that's, and I understand what we're trying to say, but that's actually incorrect. In academia in particular, um, the word calling and the word purpose are actually separated. And calling has a definition, and I want to read it, and it means it's a transcendent summons to something. It is someone calling you to something. So we say calling or God's calling me, but what it is is he is doing the calling. He is the sender, and then we are answering the call. Think of a phone. So it's not the, my call for my life. It's God's call for my life. It's God's call for your life and for your life. Every single one of us in here, God has called to something. 
And some know what they're called to and others don't. It's, it's something that you hear, right? It's not something that you have. So you might be, for example, me. I hated public speaking. And I, and I don't mean like a lot of people are nervous or afraid of it. I, I like don't. I got through high school speech class because my best friend was in the class sitting in the back of the room making funny faces. That's how horrible. I mean, I just shut down. I couldn't do it. And so for me, it was just something that I could not get away from. Everywhere I went, someone would ask me to say something, to speak, and I'd be like, but I can't. I mean, I just felt that I couldn't. Until I started looking into calling and studying calling and recognizing that it is this aspect of my life about standing and speaking that I just can't seem to escape. When I came to Seattle, I wasn't trying to do this. As a matter of fact, I was trying to be like way in the back. I was coming to serve with the guys in the back because I'm like, I don't know anything about what they do. Back in the sound booth, I'll probably mess up a whole lot of stuff. But I'm not trying to be in the front. And Jen, not knowing anything about my background, asked me one day if I would share um, at her when maybe she knew, I don't know, a little bit, but certainly not enough to trust me to say anything to a group of ladies. And so it is not something that you have. It's something that you hear. And I just kept hearing this call to kind of come back and to stand and to speak. And it wasn't until I finally said, okay, that I started to hear even more of what God was saying. Doors started to open. But that's not just for me. That's for every single one of you. Let me ask you, what is God calling you to? What's his calling on your life? And if you don't know, don't beat yourself up. That's not the spirit of God. But if you don't know, my suggestion is ask God, and then stay right there until he talks to you. Because one thing he's not calling you to is depression. He's not calling you to brokenness. He's not calling you to hurt. He's not calling you to past disappointments. He's calling you to life. He's calling you to health. He's calling you to healing and freedom and power and grace. He is calling you to a higher level, to elevate in him, to not let the cares of the world press you down to the point that there's no longer a distinction between a daughter of God and a daughter of the world. What are you called to? How does that play itself out? in your everyday, ask God and he'll tell us. We are called first to the kingdom of God. We're called to salvation. We're called to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and that's everybody. God has a call for everyone to come into salvation wants none to perish. Some answer that call and some don't. The parable of the sower actually from a broader uh, sense talks about that. I didn't get into that when I shared the message a couple weeks ago, but we are called to receive Jesus, called into a, a, a relationship with Jesus. It is him doing the calling and then we answer. Some don't answer at all. Some answer, but just for a little bit and then they take off and they run because it gets to, you know, pressure, life, stuff happens. Some answer and they're doing well and the next thing you know, they fall off. But then there are those that answer the call to salvation and they ride out with Jesus until they 
fly and go to heaven. And I declare that that's going to be us in here, right? We're not going to be those that turn back. We're going to have such a strong relationship with God that nothing can separate us from him. And we hear the scripture, you know, what can separate me from the love of God? Obviously, God won't separate from us, but will we separate from him? So let's talk about an example of one who was called and who tried to kind of run a little bit from that call. If you guys will go over to the book of Esther, chapter 4. I'm going to start reading at verse 10. Now I'll go down to 17. It says, Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live, yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. Verse 12. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all of the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Verse 15, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews who, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for these days, for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish." Verse 17, so Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. So to give you a little context, and most of us have probably heard, or at least many of us have heard the story of Esther. Here she was, um, her background, Esther was an orphan. She was a Jew, and she was living here in the Persian Empire, and um, she's called to the palace. And really, she, she didn't volunteer for this. This happened because the queen who was there was banished because she refused to come before the king. So here's this orphan girl who has also lived a life of exile, who's now almost being kind of held captive because you didn't have a choice. All of the women had to come before the king and go through this 12-month period of beautification, this preparation um, period. And then the king was going to select one of the girls to then be queen. And it wasn't just that he selected a queen, but then he had a whole bunch of other women, too, who were there, like, as concubines. So here's this girl, and now she's been selected king. She's in the palace, and there's this edict that went out. Her, her cousin, her older cousin, Mordecai, ended up adopting her. And he hears that there is a death um, edict going out for all of the Jews, put all the Jews to death. And that's because Haman, who was the king's right-hand man, was upset that Haman would not, I'm sorry, not Haman, Mordecai would not bow down to him. So Haman's upset that Mordecai, Esther's cousin, won't bow down. So then he's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to kill all the Jews. Now, mind you, Esther is a Jew, but she's a Jew who's hidden or tried to conceal who she really is. I'm going to let that one sit for a little bit. She's trying to conceal 
who she really is. And then she gets to this point in life where she can no longer conceal who she really is. She can no longer conceal who God had called her to be. She was at a fork in the road, this tension that I can either stay where I'm at right here or I can go God's way. If I stay where I'm at right here without going before the king to petition for my people, we'll all be annihilated. Talking about mass genocide of all the Jews. So here she stands and she says, you know what? I can't just go before the king. That's not how this works. You don't just barge in. The king has to summons you. You have to be called. And she's like, if I go before the king, I could very well be put to death. And her cousin says, you know what? If you don't go, deliverance it's going to come for the Jews through someone else. Because what happens when we don't answer the call, God still gets it done. What should have been for us, though, now has to then go to somebody else. And I don't know about you, but I don't want somebody else answering the call that God has for my life because I refused to go, because I was too afraid, or I wanted to conceal parts of me that I didn't want to be seen. And God is saying, no, I need you to step out. So then it, word makes it back, and she decides, okay, you know what? Let me just fast. Have, have everybody, round them all up, everybody fast. And there is something to be said about everybody doing something collectively. There is something to be said about unity, about coming together as a collective and deciding, you know what? Let's fast before the Lord, just like we did at the beginning of the year, which for me birthed an idea that I had not conceived yet prior to the corporate fast. So they go and they fast corporately. She says, you know, you guys go fast. I'm going to fast too. Me and my maids. They decided to withhold food for three days and three nights. That's deep. Three days and three nights. I can barely go a day, Kim. Three days and three nights to fast in order for her to get clarity, but also so that she can gain the courage to then do what she needed to do. And everyone wants to quote, you know, you were called for such a time as this. And I love that scripture, too. That's one of my favorites. But the one that really stuck out to me is when she said, "Okay, you go fast. I'll go fast with my ladies and then I'll go before the king and I'll make the petition. And if I perish, I perish. She literally was saying it is going to cost me something. I'm going to have to sacrifice something. And if I have to sacrifice, if it costs me, then so be it. And sometimes it doesn't just cost a little something. It costs everything. See, to answer the call of God on your life might not be comfortable. And I don't think it's supposed to be because then we're doing it in our own strength. God is calling you out from among them. He's saying, come out from among them and be ye separate. Come out from the darkness. Don't look like the world. You're distinct. You should look different. You should talk different. You should want different things. And it can be an unnerving thing when you feel like, but I'm going to be the only one. And if this doesn't doesn't work. I'm the one who loses. But if I perish, I perish. I will answer the call of God on my life. I will stand on a stage and speak. You will open a flower shop, multiple shops. You will be business owners. You will get up and you will travel the nations and you will speak to people and deliverance will come forth because you've surrendered yourself to the call of God for your life. What is he calling you to? What is he asking you to do? And if it's comfortable right now, I can tell you we're not tapping in. It shouldn't, it shouldn't feel comfortable because we are to lean on him for our strength. 
And Esther decides, okay, I'll do it. And guess what? She did not perish, just like we learned on Sunday. She st- the favor of God went before her, just like the favor of God will go before you. The minute you say yes to the Lord, he's already gone before you, and he's already worked it out. The favor of God went before her, and the king said, what can I give you? Up to half of my kingdom. What do you want, queen? And then she said, here's the plan. They're trying to annihilate my people, and she had to reveal, these are my people. I'm Jewish. And death did not come upon her. She actually did not perish because the thing that the enemy wants is to get us in fear. He wants us to think it's going to end in death. He wants us to think it's going to be worst case scenario. But when you're obeying God, God has already favored you. He's already opened the door for you. He's already made a way. And it behooves us to just step, just one foot in front of the other. And it does require what Esther did, pulling back. She fasted. I'm a fan of fasting. Three days and three nights is is kind of extreme, but you know, hey, if God says do it, then do it. Fast and pray and get serious before the Lord and figure out what is he calling me to. And I can promise you, a year from today, you will not even recognize yourself. You won't recognize how how, um, submitted and surrendered you are to the plan of God. What is he calling you to? One thing he is calling us to is he's called us to the kingdom, and then he has called us to grow. God wants us to grow in our knowledge of him. He wants us to grow in our commitment to him, commitment to the things of God. More so than we're committed to anything else, there needs to be more of a commitment to the things of Christ. And we can be committed to some stuff, right? Come on, we're committed to our families, we're committed to our jobs, we're committed to that weight loss, we're committed, committed, committed. Are we more committed to the things of Christ than we are to those things? He wants us to grow in our healing. He wants us to grow, to rise higher in our, um, in our freedom in him, to be liberated from the things that are attempting to hold us down, to rise higher in our courage so that we will step out and do the things that he has called us to. And one of the things that holds ladies back sometimes, and I felt Jen when she was talking about, you know, sometimes, you know, with women's ministry, it can get a little interesting. And I feel like the enemy has had a plan against women from the beginning. The first recorded conversation in scripture, Genesis 3.1. And I don't mean, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as they're, you know, rolling out the days, but where scripture records an exchange is the enemy coming to Eve. There has been an attack from the beginning on women to try to get us to go against the plan of God. And so he comes and tries to sow discord between what God said and what she was going to obey and what she was going to do. And he's been playing that same trick over over and 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 over. Don't use your voice. Don't do this. Has God said, not you. That can't work. Oh, you're past. You know what you've done. Oh, you're not free from this. Oh, you're not good enough for that. You're too small. You're too big. You're too this. You're too that. Lies, 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 lies. And then he'll get us. He'll try to pit us against one another. Did you see how she was looking at you? Did you see what she did? Did What did she say? What? He's used conversation and tried to use it against women from the beginning of time. When people talk about gossipers, do they talk about men or do they talk about women? 
When they talk about petty, do they talk about men or do they talk about women? And we're in a season where I'm like, let's turn all of that around. I love what's happening here. I love that Jen encourages us to, you know what, let's create a safe space. Let's be intentional about loving on women. I love that that's coming from the front because I've been in church for a while and I don't know that I've ever heard a, a, a leader of a church, a female leader, actually stand and say, no, this is how I want our community of women to be. Where we love, genuinely love one another. We come behind each other and support each other. We pray for each other. We celebrate each other. We're there for each other. We show up for each other. We're not going to be like the world. There is a distinction. People will say, well, what's going on over there? We are daughters of God. We're not bickering. We're not talking about each other. We're not partnering with the enemy. Has God really said, or who does she think she is? Why she do this? You know what? No, I'm going to use my voice, my words to pray as opposed to talk against what God has called somebody else to. We're called to go higher. I'm getting ready to end. And I said at the beginning, Vic, you can come up. That's our, that's our new code, Vic and I, because I'm like, I don't know when to tell you to come up, Vic. I'm not that polished yet. <laughs> I don't know which scripture I'm going to end on. But I really believe that we are, we're at a pivotal moment. And I, you know, and I don't say this lightly. This isn't just, you know, I'm not just here trying to say something. It's, I came with something to say. This is a moment where God wants to move supernaturally. And you might be like, you know, what are these words? Like, you know, maybe I don't know if you're familiar, you know, with the move of God, the spirit of God and all that. But things are going to look different when you submit to God. You're going to find yourself saying and feeling and desiring different things. You're going to have compassion for people that you maybe didn't have compassion for before. You're going to want to do um, things for people that you hadn't even considered doing. You're going to want to give more. You're going to want to serve more. You know what? I really believe you're going to be like, what group can I be a part of? I didn't even want to be a part of a group, but all of a sudden now I just have this heart. That's God working on the inside. I feel like that's how I got bamboozled up on this stage. I said, yes. <laughs> what? Right? I got a call. Hey, you want to come to this women's group? And I was like, okay, sure. It was during COVID. Is it online or is it in person? Oh, it's in person. Next thing I know, months later, <laughs> hey, you want to lead transition? I'm like, do what? No, I want to sit in the very back of the room and be left alone. But God said no. Because there was some healing that needed to, to take place in me too. And when God heals your heart, truly, stuff happens. I started thinking about it earlier. You know, it's like scars. I have a scar on the back of one of my legs and I remember how I got that scar. And it, I remember it was a nail that was sticking up out of a stool that I was sitting on. And when I went to slide off, the padding slipped off and the nail just scratched like right on the back of my leg and it was deep and my friend was panicking oh my god you need penicillin you gotta go to the ER you know and I'm like I am woman hear me roar I'm just gonna put a little peroxide on it and throw a bandit and it bled and bled and bled and I'm, I don't know if I should have went and got stitches but I didn't y'all pray for me 
And I look at it periodically and I'm like, I remember that. And I remember that it hurt. I remember that it bled a lot. And I remember the panic in my friend's voice. I remember it was kind of, I probably should have paid more attention to it than I did. But I can look at it now and though I can remember all of those things, I don't feel what I felt then. I don't feel that pain. I don't feel the blood sliding them. I don't feel it. So I can talk about it without an attachment to the pain that it brought. And that's what God is doing. Like you'll have things, there'll be scars, there'll be areas of life. When you are just so healed and so free, you'll be able to talk about it and set others free and liberate others. And like that scar, you'll remember the details, you'll be able to regurgitate all of that stuff, but there won't be any pain connected to that. And if it still hurts, ladies, it's not healed. And God wants to supernaturally heal you tonight in this place. So I want you to just stand to your feet and I want you to, to just to, to receive what God is doing. And even ask him, Lord, are there areas in me that I'm trying to conceal? Is there something that's preventing me from stepping out and really answering what you're calling me to do, whatever that may be? Where's this fear coming from? Where's this apprehension? Why do I not wanna be in, in large groups? Why do I not wanna be around other people? When clearly people are, are kind of your thing because there are seven billion, that's, that's a lot of people. There's seven billion people on this planet and God did not call any single one of us to be an island. Otherwise you would have been the only one on the earth. So that's a lie. But what is he wanting to heal you of? What disappointment, what scars, what wounds? What fear? What rejection? What did they say? that cuts so deep that it prevents you from moving? What did they do? Because you know who understands that more than anyone? It is Jesus Christ. And I remember his words on that cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't say they weren't doing it. He said they didn't know what they were doing. And even with Judas, Judas would have been forgiven had he not taken his life. And so we can take note from what our Savior did and learn to release hurt and release pain and release disappointment and release frustration, release the rejection, release the doubt, release the fear so that the healing of God can reach deep down so that we can say yes to the call of God on our lives. I'm going to pray for a couple things. But what I just talked about as it relates to healing, but even just the first step, being called to salvation, then I want to ask, you want the care pastors to, to come up and just, just flowing up here. And it's going to take some courage, but every time we have prayer, people walk out changed. We hear it all the time. And sometimes it's, it's almost like bittersweet because you're really happy for the ones that stepped out because you know, wow, God worked, God moved. But then you start thinking of, were there others that just, they didn't want to step out? And not that God can't meet you, 
at your point of need, not that he still can't heal you, but if you can get it right now, why wait for later? So would you bow your heads and just close your eyes? And if you are in this place and you, you, you want to put your faith in Jesus, you haven't made that decision yet, you want to accept Jesus as Lord because you're going to need him in this big crazy world out there. You need him leading and guiding and directing. If you've never done that and you want me to pray with you, that you would receive the salvation of our Lord, receive his love, his grace, his faith. I want to pray with and for you. And if you're in this place and you're like, you know, Lord, I just, I, I, I want you to, to heal me at every, every place in me that hurts. God, I know you can heal it. Every crevice of my heart, every, every past hurt, every past pain. I want to pray for you too. Could you let me know that I'm praying with and for you? Just slip your hand up. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Healing is in the room. Father, we thank you for what, what you are doing in this place. We thank you, God, first and foremost, for your love. We don't know the height or the breadth or the width of it. It's too wide, it's too deep, it's too high for us to even understand, but we thank you for it. God, I thank you for your love for each one of your daughters and what you're doing in their lives. And I pray for those that are here tonight committed to make a decision for you, accepting you as their Lord, as their master. Yes, as Savior, but as their Lord and as their master, God. Do a work on the inside of their heart, Father. I pray that they will not be the same. I pray that they will sense you, that they'll hear you, that they'll feel you, that they'll hunger for you, that they'll desire you, God, above all else. I pray that you would be the voice in their ear. I pray, God, that you would sing over them as they sleep. God, I pray that you would wake them up with thoughts of you. I pray, God, that you would do a deep work, a deep transformation on the inside. I thank you for the gift of salvation, Father. We don't have to work for it. We receive it freely. We receive you tonight. We put our faith in you. Help us to walk out every day, putting our trust in you. I pray, God, for those that are experiencing or have experienced just deep wounds and deep hurts. I thank you that you are the healer. You sent your word and you healed them. And you delivered them from any destruction. God, I thank you that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed. That you were wounded and bruised for our transgressions. God, I thank you that even the price of peace was paid by the stripes that you took on your back, Jesus. And we receive that tonight and thank you for the work that you have begun and for what you'll continue to do. And I pray this in your son Jesus' name.